All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Can you see Did you The puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice, at arm's length. To the line, Hughes, scores! You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, the reporter here. Like, I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go.
Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. Use promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word, Hockey Season. That will get you $5 off your order at ZephyrEpic.com, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic. Go follow them on all platforms, Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. They had a snow day recently, but... They do have a retail location in Surrey that you can go check out. So go check out our friends at Zephyr Epic because they also ship free on any order over $50 across Canada from... All the way from Qualicum Beach to Quebec City. Nice pronunciation there, Monsieur Fabier. Well, yeah, people getting pissed off at me last week. I said Borsin. I didn't know it was so (laughs) French. You said Borsin. No, I said Borsin. That's what I said. (laughs) I didn't know if Borsin was even French in the first place. Borsin. Borsin cheese. Uh, Dude, I'm the one who went to French immersion quads. I I know know how to say things in French. I just didn't know that that was... I'm not going to see a word. Like I don't look at conversation and be like, conversation. Well, do it. I didn't know that maybe conversation is French, and I haven't known the whole time. Okay. Fair enough. So I didn't know Borsin... Was French, and I'm I'm still not going to continue to say that it's French. I'm going to keep calling it Borson. Borson. Just trying to say the word as much yeah. anymore. Uh, so yeah, go check out our friends at Zephyr Epic. Five dollars off with promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word, and free shipping on any order over fifty dollars. They've got you covered with your Magic: The Gathering, your hockey cards, your football cards, your basketball cards, your baseball cards. Anything you need, Zephyr Epic has got you covered. So go check them out, Z-E-P-H-Y-R-Epic.com. We are also delivered to you, you hold by the on. great... Before you know what else I get at Zephyr Epic? What? Is the cases for your cards. Yes. The top loaders, yes. the sleeves, and the cases. Quick, they're just cheap. So cheap on they're Zephyr good, Epic, dude, and they deliver right on you. Yeah. Yeah. Another little tidbit there. We never mentioned that. I'm glad you cut me off for that. that yeah. That's a good thing to point out. We're also delivered to you by the great folks at DoorDash. Use promo code CONVODD, capital C, capital D's, all one word, CONVODD. That will get you 25% off and free delivery on your first order with the DoorDash app. Does not get much better than that, folks. My name is David Quadrelli. I am joined, as always, by the man who built the place, Chris Faber, wearing some... Those are great pants. Olive pants are great. They are, they are a very nice color. Uh, you, you knocked it out of the park today. Thank you. I got uh, three pairs of olive uh, pants. What do you call these pants again? Uh, they Joggers? Is they, that what you've called them in the past? Joggers. I can't really see it. Are you wearing a belt? No, I'm not wearing a belt. It might be joggers. They have a little... Oh, those are joggers. Those are joggers, yeah. Okay, yeah. So I've got... This is my... I got three pairs of these olive joggers. I've blown out the groin in freaking two of them. <laughs> This is the only one that's still got a groin intact here. The other ones that Blown holes in out it. the groin. Yeah. Wow. So I got holes in two of these pants. These are down to my last pair. Old Navy, come on. Better. I need some better groin coverage in here. Uh, but uh, I still wear them around the house. Fair enough. Especially in the summer. You get a little breeze in there. Anyways. Blown groin pants. Anyways. Um, well, nice to be back in person. It, so not only that, we were in person. Our last episode was remote. Uh, just complications with the snow and everything. We were like, okay, we got to do this uh do this remotely and someone actually messaged me recently and was like hey i really like that you point out what chris is wearing but i'd like to see it more often i'm just saying what <laughs> yeah so, someone said they're like well i'd like to see like you guys should do a video basically oh, okay. what they were saying they weren't like i want i want to see chris's clothes 10 out of 10 show me what chris looks like show me what chris looks like no it was it wasn't weird how they said it okay good. um it was weird how i said it but yeah. yeah how i delivered their message so sorry to the listener that messaged me appreciate it but we got a little camera set up in here now chris yeah and we're both kind of eyeing it i don't think both either of us really trust it yet but yeah. the uh 
the big bosses at Nation Network, Tyler Uremchuk, who the running joke is takes is always on vacation, but he works hard. Daily Faceoff show uh, producer, good guy. Tyler Uremchuk, kind of brainstorming with him uh, about how we can kind of you know make Canucks convo a little bit better and make it all over the place, kind of. So these are going to be posted. There's going to be little clips from our our rants and all our stuff because I know some people hear us get heated and they're they're probably wanting to see what we look like when we're doing it. So. There's going to be some stuff posted on the Canucks Army TikTok, so go follow the Canucks Army TikTok, nation underscore CA, and it'll probably be posted on Twitter, too, if we're being honest. So, yeah, we're going to have some videos coming out. Getting in the uh, the TikTok realm. That'll be exciting. I'm I'm not a huge TikToker. I am now. I Are you one of these people? I was talking, talking to the girlfriend about this mm-hmm. literally last night. And I was like, after, like, sometimes I'll go on TikTok and I'll just watch, like, four videos. And I'm like, all right, that's enough for me. And then I, and I shut it down. She was saying that she can go on for, like, three hours if she gets, like, lost on TikTok. Okay. She'll be on there for three hours long. Okay. So I know a lot of people like that. Like, and, and here's the thing is, is fun little fast fact here. I, sorry, I've listened to a lot of office ladies. They use, use the word fast fact a lot. Okay. But fun little fact here, it's very intentional that when you, like, swipe up and refresh it gives you a random video mm-hmm. it's because it gives you the same thrill the same psychological thrill as when you're playing slots so that's why it does that you pull up and then it like gives you a random video it's like the same thrill of playing slots which i found really interesting uh so so the more you know i was going somewhere with this but i think where i was going was that i know a lot of people that you know they they like they call it tiktok addiction like it's an actual thing like mm. people that just spend hours on end and you know, keep scrolling and it's a never ending scroll. Like it never, it never gives you a message that says, you know, when you used to play Wii sports, even before you were starting, maybe your third game, it'd be like, Hey, why not take a break and go get some actual exercise? Oh, I, I outside. get sometimes if I'm on there for long, some guy pops up and he goes, you better, maybe you should get up and go for a walk or on TikTok? drink some water. Yeah. But that's, that's up. an actual creator. That's not from TikTok putting that out there and saying, Hey, you should do this. That's from a creator. I think it's like sponsored by them. No, I don't think so. So I don't some guy so. makes videos for that and that somehow yeah. gets onto my feed. I don't think so. I, I, I had a person that popped on my feed that was like, hey, this is your reminder to study. And then he does live streams of him studying. That's and, weird. Yeah. Well, this is what this is what the youths are doing these days. We have to stay in touch oh, with geez. the youths, Chris. That's why you hired me for this podcast. Yeah. That why is I'm true. here. I keep you in touch with the youths. Yeah. Now I got to stare at this camera and be on TikTok and... I don't like. I don't I, like change. I don't like the. I don't know. It's sound. It's do a on. podcast. Oh, it's not recording. <laughs> no, it's not okay. Because I keep looking at it. Like I think I have to, like make eye contact. I feel she like left a, like a circus animal. I have to like move my hands like you more, and I have to do all the Italian hand movements. Oh my god! It's not even freaking recording. No. So what? So you just set up a freaking camera on well, a I, it's tripod? gonna start recording when one of us starts going on a rant. I have a little button. What, you have a button for this? Yeah. You know the remote that it comes with. I'm not going to explain this right now. We don't need to explain this. Let's get into it. We've got Canucks talk because the Vancouver Canucks were set to face off against the Ottawa Senators on Saturday, January 9th, I believe the day would be. We're recording this on Friday, January 8th, January 8th, my mistake. But that game has been postponed and we've got to talk about it, Chris, because I'm going to have a column dropping, I think, tomorrow on Canucks Army. So by the time this episode is out, people can listen to it on Canucks or read it at CanucksArmy.com. And my kind of takeaway from all this is that Postponing these games is a level of ignorance and arrogance that we have seldom seen from this league and from this organization. Like, this is a whole new level. Like, I'm not saying that we've never seen them do anything ignorant or arrogant and said, okay, this is this is silly. But this is a new level. 
And I asked Tanner Pearson about this. We have the clip that we'll pull up uh, very shortly here. But I asked Tanner Pearson about this because in the past, in this league, this year, there have been multiple times where games have already been postponed because players are testing positive and teams don't have the manpower to get it done, even with the taxi squads coming back. And we've seen a, a lot of games get postponed for that very reason. So I asked Pearson, as somebody whose games were canceled earlier this season because a lot of teammates had COVID and the other teams had COVID and all that sort of stuff. And then there was obviously the league shut down because of how much, how many teams had COVID. I asked Pearson um, how he felt about this game getting postponed for revenue reasons, right? Like it wasn't because there's a bunch of players with COVID. Like Elias Patterson's on the COVID protocol. Yes. Brock best is supposed to come back today uh, as is Phil DiGiuseppe. So, you, you're like looking at it and you're saying, okay, they have the manpower to get a game done and they also have the taxi squads now. So the NHL will do what they need to, to to make sure they can play their games by bringing back the taxi squad. But as soon as the BC government announces these restrictions and, you know, obviously they're doing the same in Ottawa, I get asked the question. I saw it on Twitter. People are like, well, why are the Leafs playing games? And it's because one organization seems ready to kind of let go of some revenue and is in a better place to let go of some revenue and just wants to get their games in. Because again, we talked about the toll that this has on players, right? Like the players are talking about how frustrated they are. Uh, you know, Bruce Boudreau even said it's not ideal to play nine games on the road or whatever it's going to be for the yeah. Canucks. But like my point being here is that this isn't all just the big bad suits with the league. This is done in conjunction with the Canucks. And we have a statement from Michael Doyle with the Vancouver Canucks that we will read later. But first, I just want to play this Tanner Pearson audio because I asked him about it and just kind of the frustration level of having a game postponed when your squad's actually healthy. Tanner, when you see the amount of games that have already been postponed uh, because of players actually testing positive for COVID and teams not having the manpower, uh, does it kind of add to the frustration level at all that these games are being postponed because of attendance restrictions and kind of like from a revenue standpoint rather than um, you know actually being about the player's ability to play? Yeah. Um, you know, it's a business. I think we all get that part. Um, but, uh, yeah, when, when you got a, you know, a full healthy squad here, yeah, it gets frustrating. And kind of on top of that, just, uh, like, you know, it's saying in the kind of the release that's been put out that they're hoping that to reschedule it for dates when restrictions are eased or lifted, like you've lived in this province long enough, um, are you kind of aware of the fact that like these restrictions could just get extended when they're set to expire on the 18th rather than, you know, like I, I, it kind of seems like the hope is just to play on the 21st again, but are you kind of aware that that might not actually happen? Yeah. I think you'd be, you know, not looking at things if you weren't, I think, um, what are you 50%? There's no reason or word that, you know, maybe things could get worse here too and, and be at zero. So, um, you know, no one really knows what's going to happen. Um, right now it's kind of, you know, day by day, we go on this road trip, we'll, we'll go to the States, we'll play our games and we come back and, um, who knows what it's going to be like. And then again, that was Tanner Pearson, Canucks forward. I asked him, I kind of flubbed my question a little bit, uh, on the second part there, but you get yeah, the did idea. Did you ever? Whatever. But you get the idea, right? Is, you know, the players are frustrated that 
they're going to have to play all these road games. It's not ideal at all. And again, just wanted to reiterate the fact that, again, it's not like the Canucks called the league and said, hey, please postpone our games. But, you know, these are two two sides that were in agreement on this. It wasn't just the league saying, hey, we're going to postpone all your games. And that's that. You have no say uh, in this decision. And again, uh, the Canucks did put out a statement uh, that we will read from Michael Doyle. But Chris, just kind of your initial reaction. Yeah, it's really strange to me, like seeing two different reasons. The NHL put out a reason why, and then the Canucks put out a different reason why. And then at the same time, you look at the you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs how they're playing in front of no fans. The Canucks were worried about playing in front of fifty percent fans, and the part that I just don't understand is like, why not play in front of zero fans here? Then, if that's what you're worried about. Why not go that route? What you're getting at is in the statement, the Canucks cited rising hospitalizations uh, and case counts of the Omicron variant, which is completely fair. Like, totally. You and I aren't out here trying to say, like, I'll give you the quote from Michael Doyle. Give us the quote from Michael Doyle and and say his role with the Canucks as well, so the listeners. For sure. So, COVID 19 cases continue to increase at a rapid rate, and we all need to adjust and be flexible as the pandemic evolves, said Michael Doyle, president of Canucks Sport and Entertainment. He went on to say, we hope to play tomorrow, but we are at an important point of the pandemic. And given the size of the event, everyone involved believe this is the right decision. We thank everyone for their patience and understanding. Now, here's the thing about that is nobody's going to come out and say that's a completely disingenuous statement. That's complete BS. The Canucks are lying, blah, blah, blah. Like That's not what we're trying to say. What we're trying to say is it's it's a little bit hard to believe that if there were no restrictions and if they were playing at 100% capacity in British Columbia, right, that the league and the Canucks wouldn't both say, yeah, let's get this going. Let's get this done. I think it's a little hard to believe that just from what we've seen before. Uh, but, but one thing that has remained constant is the Canucks are always going to listen to public health. They've always always done a good job of that and they've always made that kind of front of mind and everything that they've ever said is just we're going to follow all the guidelines all the restrictions they never really at least not publicly like complained about capacity limits or anything like that um i think my issue with this chris is just that aside from your players all voicing displeasure and saying they would like to play at home um i think my big issue is that like what I said to Pearson, we've all lived in this province long enough to see that these restrictions that are set to expire on the 18th, there's a good chance they're just going to get extended, right? Like, yeah, you look at the COVID situation in this province, it's not getting much better, right? Like the, the case counts are still high and, you know, the hospitalizations, deaths, what what have you. Um, you can go look at all the numbers yourself. I'm not going to read all of them on the air, but there's not really any improvement with these restrictions. So... You know, it looks like they're just going to get extended. But again, we have no way of knowing either way. Like, we don't know if they're going to get lifted on January 18th and the Canucks will be able to play their home game against the Florida Panthers on the 21st, which is seemingly what the league and the organization are hoping for. There's just no guarantee that that's going to happen. So that's why when I say it's ignorant and arrogant, that's kind of what I mean, right? Is is that's the ignorance is kind of blissfully being unaware and I'm sure they are aware, but choosing to ignore the fact that these restrictions could just get extended. And not only that, Chris, 
Who's to say that on the 18th they say, you know what, these restrictions aren't working. We need to go down to 0% capacity at these games or 25%. You have even less than Ontario. You have even less than you did in this very province before when you had a chance to play these games. That's where the ignorance part comes in for me. And for me, the arrogance is more so on the side of the league where they're postponing these games left, right, and center and getting rid of the Olympics. And I I think they're hoping to make up some of them over the Olympic break, but that's only two weeks. And Bill Daly has said on multiple occasions that they don't want to go over a week extra. How bad was it when the Canucks had to play regular season games against the Calgary Flames when the freaking playoffs are happening? That sounded so Canadian. The freaking playoffs. I remember sitting on a patio in Granville Island on my birthday watching the Canucks play a regular season game <laughs> while the playoffs were going on. And I was thinking, what the hell? <laughs> what is my life? I'm what watching is the this? Canucks in May. Yeah, I mean, I, I just find it a little... I just I don't really understand the whole COVID situation. I think you laid it out pretty well. I don't know how much more time you want to spend on this. It's pretty unfortunate and i think your question to tanner pearson says a lot where it's like hey listen ottawa just took like four players off of their covid protocol this morning right they Mm. just did that they're starting to get closer to being healthy there's a lot of improvements to the players health i know the vancouver canucks just put elias petterson on but we're expecting we didn't get to see it today but we're expecting to see phil di giuseppe and brock besser return from in from the nhl covid protocol get back at least skating with the team and potentially into the lineup I think it's pretty unfortunate that they're not going to go and play this game on Saturday. And I do think that as many times as you push this down the road, like you kind of said, there's no guarantee that a month from now things are going to be better. Yeah. Like during Because a month from now is the break, right? Like a month from now, we would be in the Olympic break that the NHL is going to be going through. We don't know if it's going to be better in a month from now. So I was a little confused why like the big, maybe you can help me with this. Like the Mm -hmm. big thing that I'm confused about is they talk about it being a capacity problem. They don't want all the fans in the games. Well, like Ottawa's here, right? Ottawa's here in Vancouver. Vancouver's here in Vancouver. There's nothing on a hockey night in Canada game now for the seven o'clock game. Why are they not playing in front of, uh, of zero people? Like I know it sucks. People want to go to the games, but I would still rather have the game with no one there than not have the game at all and have to wait down the road for it. I know that they won't be able to make up for that, you know, gate money that they were going to have. Cause yeah. I think I've seen the number float around that the Canucks make about $2 million for every home game. I, that's crazy to me. Also kind of think, about I it. think but that's I guess also on the low end. I think it's a little okay. higher than that. Well, so that's a number that I've just seen around on Twitter and I, it seems strange to me. And I think it's also a big loss for like, like the big rights holder of sports and CBC and however they run hockey night in Canada, like to not have two Canadian teams going at the seven o'clock game on hockey night in Canada. I feel like that's got to be a hit as well. Like not a lot of people are going to tune in to watch whatever it be Anaheim play the Vegas golden Knights. I'm not uh, reporting anything, but a little wrinkle in all of this that was brought to our attention right before we started recording is from Patrick Johnson of the province, our friend PJ uh, reporting that the Canucks are suing their insurance company. Them, along with three other Canadian teams, I believe the Montreal Canadiens, the Winnipeg Jets, and the Toronto Maple Leafs are the other ones named. I think it was actually TSN's Rick Westhead, who's done a phenomenal job on a number of topics reporting this year, um, originally reported this, and then PJ kind of did some more digging, talked to Klein lawyers. Uh, remember? Klein? Uh, Klein yep. lawyers, those ads. Um, and, and basically, kind of what was said was that 
the Canucks are looking to sue their insurance companies because them and these other three Canadian teams that I just named all bought insurance coverage for unprecedented damages uh, to their property. And they are trying to argue the fact that a pandemic, which in their insurance document, it should be covered. It, it should be. And again, this is just based on the fact of um, what it said about uh you know, unforeseen things and novel, uh, novel kind of damages and that kind of thing. And I think the Canucks are trying to argue that uh, that should be covered with the coronavirus, obviously, and the impact it had. Um, and that's why they're taking their their insurance company to court. So I guess my point is here that the Canucks could be wanting to bolster their court case a bit in the sense of we actually had to cancel this game because of capacity restrictions and we're losing revenue and all that. And again, I'm not reporting anything here. This is just me thinking out loud and kind of connecting some dots based on what I've seen from Patrick and obviously the news today. So again, not reporting anything, not making a hard stance here, but it's just something to keep an eye on that the Canucks are suing their insurance company um, and hoping to get um, a big payday because of the damages and the losses that they've incurred over the pandemic. Yeah, I don't know much about that, but <laughs> what I have to say is it's just I. the other thing is like I find it strange that they do this the day before when Bill Daly was on Donnie and Dolly yep. the, literally was it yesterday on Thursday? Yep. He's on Thursday. He was on their show talking about how it was going to happen. And then we get to a point now where the Canucks don't want to play at 50% because of the situation of well, hang on because it's not just the Canucks but that's what the Canucks said because right. it's a collaborative decision right sure. it's not just the Canucks it's not just the league it's a collaborative decision that they came to together um and the Canucks are taking the stance of you know we don't want to add to hospitalizations which is a fine stance to take like sure, nobody's knocking the Canucks and saying oh you you bastards like come on you should want it you should want to contribute to hospitalizations because i think there are a lot of fans that are actually uncomfortable to attend a home game right now and a lot of fans i know i wasn't going to go down to the concourse during that game i was going to go up to the press box do my job and go home i wasn't going to go mingle with fans or walk around the concourse and get food i was going to try to keep my you know my uh my bubble as small as possible when i was at that game right because you just you want to you want to stay safe, and obviously there, there's all those kind of other factors. You don't want to test positive, and testing is just at like at its capacity right now. So there's a lot of different factors. But I guess my point is is that yeah, this isn't um, this isn't all on the Canucks, and it's also not all on the league. But they did do it together, and it does seem like the main reason is for revenue reasons because cited in the official uh, press release that was put out was capacity restrictions due to capacity restrictions. And they're hoping to um, play the games at a later date in front of a hundred percent capacity crowd. Like they're, they're not making, they're not being secret about that. Yeah, that's the, what they're hoping. That's the thing. The fact they're not being secret makes it just feel dirty. in the fact of like the reason why, like the way that it feels is the reason why they're not playing is because they're not going to get that $2 million from a home game. And if they were to, they could play this game tomorrow. Like Tanner Pearson said it. They could play this game tomorrow. They're, the Canucks are looking pretty healthy. Ottawa's getting pretty close to being fully healthy as well. And they've had a bad outbreak, but you know, activating players every day now off of the protocol. It's not a... it. Yeah, this has nothing to do... This is a game that's being canceled due to COVID, not being able to have people in the stands. Nothing to do with COVID involving the players, which doesn't yeah. make sense to me and feels dirty to me. That's just how I feel about it. Yeah, no, you're right. Um... 
I think we can agree that sports games shouldn't be canceled if the players don't have COVID, especially for a league that's had such a hard time managing it and has already had to cancel so many games. Like I, I don't know how many games the NHL thinks it can postpone without going over by a week, but I think there are over a hundred postponed games now too. Yeah. They've, they've had to postpone a lot of games and to make all of those up in that two week Olympic break. Right. Um, and to also like try not to go over by a week by the end of the schedule, you're looking at an ungodly amount of games for these players to go through, right? Like you're looking at a compact schedule. You're looking at something that gives me vibes of last year's COVID outbreak when JT Miller came out and said, we're not ready. This is a crazy amount of games to play. And the the goal for the Canucks, and I know they were out of a playoff spot and all that, but the goal for the Canucks became, we just want to make sure nobody gets hurt because this is a crazy yeah. schedule. And we have to play a lot of games and we've, all just got hit with COVID. Now, I know none of the players have got hit with COVID and, and faced crazy symptoms this time around because, again, all vaccine, a weaker variant, all that, all that stuff plays into it. But the fact of the matter is they're not playing a lot of games right now. They were on a hot streak. They had a long break. They played a couple games, long break again. Now they're going to have to ramp it back up again. And I think of a guy like Brock Besser who's had, like, what, 10 days off without skating? So you think about all these kind of factors, and I think – it kind of comes down to we're really going to try and fit all these games in this time. Like the league should not be, it, it, the league is not in a position to postpone games because of capacity limits. When you, first of all, like we've already kind of outlined a few times here, you really don't know if those capacity limits are going to improve or if they're going to be even less fans allowed permitted into buildings you know when you try to make these up in February. They're not protecting their product. They're protecting some money right now. Yeah. Like they're not protecting their product, pushing all these games and down the road. I mean, I guess they're protecting, like they're protecting the, the gate revenue that they're about to get. They're not protecting the players here at all. Yeah. That's what they should be focusing on to me. I, I've, I'm in a camp right now that I listen, if you have a ticket to this game, I'm sorry, but get your refund for it. They should be playing in front of zero people tonight, unless there's a like the only when I heard this morning the thing was was something that was coming down the pipe, and I was on Halford and Bruff producing their show this morning. We we all said the same thing during the break. We're like, okay, so like what happened? Like who? How many Canucks tested positive for them to get to this point? It wasn't even in in the first initial few thoughts of ours thinking that it was because that they couldn't get this couldn't fill at fifty percent. And they were worried about that. And I don't think that's what they're worried about. They want to get back to 100%. You have 100% of that arena full so they can have a nice big chunk of change. I, I, I think it's dirty. That's how I feel about it. Yeah, and again, like, again, it's not just the Canucks making that decision, right? It's also the league. Yep, you're so right. It's it important the, to kind of I think keep a big part of it's probably the league, too. Yeah, yeah. I think I would, I would even argue that it's a bigger part uh, is the league. So I would argue that, but we'll cut to break here on the other side. We'll actually get into some actual, yeah, please. Talk. Can we do some damn hockey talk? Yeah, it has been a long no more time COVID after COVID. this. And we got a radio show uh, on Saturday. Yeah, Three so hours of freaking COVID talk. People tomorrow can listen to the Canucks warm up on Sportsnet 650, uh, three to six. We're not affected by the schedule changes. The Sportsnet schedule changes, not the Canucks schedule changes. We're definitely affected by those because we have more time to talk about everything, but the actual hockey team. So uh, we'll cut to break now. Keep it locked. Keep it loaded on Canucks Conversation. Winter is quickly approaching, but wait, that means your favorite seasonal brew is back to cheer you up. 
the Tukes of Hazard is now available across British Columbia and Alberta in their government and private liquor stores. This extra strong brew has a whopping 9.2% alcohol, big hop punch, even bigger body and aroma, and just a touch of white haze. The Parallel 49 fan favorite is smoother than a freshly cleaned ice rink. And a massive thank you to all of our sponsors here at the Canucks Conversation Podcast. And folks, our friends at Blue Worker Sports Memorabilia, their sponsorship ran out with us. Uh, We're hoping to renew with them maybe one day down the line, but right now uh, we're not going to. So there is an opening. If you would like to sponsor the poll question, there is an opening to sponsor our poll question. So DM Faber, myself, uh, the podcast account, Canucks Army, whatever you want. We have access to all of those accounts. Uh, so yeah, just just DM us if you would like to sponsor the poll segment because we would uh, would love to advertise your business, the Your Business Here poll question. We're back to calling it that, Chris. We don't actually have a poll question today, but I thought I'd bring that up. Yeah, no sponsor, no poll question this week. <laughs> well, there's no poll question because it's like, you and I even had this conversation in the break. Like we said, okay, we spent about half an hour. I think we covered that pretty well. The cancellation and everything. I think we did a pretty good yeah, job. I said no more on the other side. I said I don't and want I, any more. I am right there with you, bud. Like that. That's what we're saying. But then we also said, what the hell are we going to talk about? Because on Wednesday when we did the show, we were planning on having a game to talk about on Saturday. And we were planning on previewing this game. And oh man, this is going to be the Canucks last home game before they go on this road trip. But now they just have a long road trip, and that month of January just became even more difficult for them. And I, I do. I feel for the players. I do feel for the players. Uh, last thing on the COVID situation, this just came down the wire as we were kind of in break. Dr. Bonnie Henry did speak today. Uh, she was asked about the Canucks uh, restrictions and everything, and she said, I was consulted on it, and I did give um, advice on how they could operate safely and all that, but... It was their decision. She said it was the Canucks' decision to cancel both the game on January 5th uh, and January 7th as well. So that was what uh, Dr. Bonnie Henry said. So again, obviously she said the Canucks, but as we've already mentioned and exhausted, it was the Canucks and the league that came to that decision. Sure would have been weird, like, I don't know, just with everything going on to, like, have gyms be closed and have 9,000 people in the arena would have been weird. It was going to happen. And it was going to happen until about 24 all right, I guess a little more than 24 hours before the game. Anyways, don't want to talk about that. No, it's been uh, been rumbling about quite a bit here. You know, been work. I've been working a lot at 650. A lot of the guests that we bring on, whether it be like Frank or Friedman or, uh, you know, Pagnotta is another guy who they always ask this right off the top. But they ask him, like, what's the latest on the GM search? And the answer that you hear from all of them is like, there's going to be a Canucks GM by the end of January. Yeah, we're already the seventh right now. I mean, Patrick is it Patrick Alvine? Is that Alvine? Seen? Yep, Alvine. He seems like the guy, right? Like that's he is the, the front, front runner. runner for sure. Um, I I've done a lot of kind of I don't even want to call it reporting because I've talked a lot to Frank Cervalli about it. Obviously, he works for Nation Network now, so yeah. I have a good contact and good relationship with Frank. But in Frank's eyes, Patrick Alvine is the front runner for the job. Uh, Frank said that they've narrowed it down to five people. Uh, it's narrowed down to five people and Jim Rutherford did a lot of the legwork for this before the break. And he did a lot of uh, legwork and kind of um, setting up interviews and like talking to people over the phone. And now they got to come out in person. And a big part of it, as Sarah Valley's continuously pointed out is meeting the Aquilini's. And this has to be a hire that the Aquilini's (laughs) approve of, right? That's probably the GM's idea too. Like the, 
the possible GMs, the potential GM, they probably want to meet the Aquilinis too yeah. after everything that's kind of been heard. <laughs> everything around. that they've heard, yeah, exactly. So like that is a big part of it, right? Like you have to meet with ownership, and that's not that's not even the Aquilinis meddling. That is literally like you know ownerships it, yeah. like to meet their president and they like to meet their GMs. It's normal. Um, so it's not even a matter of the Aquilinis meddling. It's just a part of the process that needs to get done. Uh, and it was a little bit delayed, obviously, because Jim Rutherford and rightfully so. Poor guy's been working. His month of December was ridiculous. Uh, Jim Rutherford did go home to Carolina for the holidays, so he wasn't around. Uh, and obviously the Aquilinis as well would like to enjoy their holiday. So And, and the candidates as well. Everybody wanted to enjoy their holidays, basically what I'm trying to yeah, say. Yeah, there was no meetings yeah, on Christmas Yeah, there was Christmas no... Day. It was like, all right, all right, Boxing Day meeting. Come, come meet the Aquilinis. Yeah, I think another way... Like, I want... Remember... Did Rutherford say that he had like 40, bull, 40 possible candidates? I think so. And he's never been he ta- You think he talked to 40 people? No, I think he talked to... I, I think he talked to people about those 40 people. Hmm. I think, for example, and I'm just pulling names out, right? Like he knows Jason Botterill and he was quickly identified as somebody who, who might be a candidate. So I don't know if he was on the list, but for example, Jason Botterill, uh, maybe he also saw Jennifer Botterill, who was another candidate that was kind of mentioned. And maybe he asked Jason about Jennifer Botterill. And maybe he just gave a quick call to Jennifer Botterill and kind of gauged her interest level on it. So, I again, I'm not saying that I, I think he had 40 and did extensive interviews with all of them, but like maybe a, either a quick phone call to the person or a person he trusts that knows the person well. And um, again, I, I, I don't think that Rutherford's the type of guy to look at the look at the list and say no don't like you don't like you don't like you don't like you like I'm, I'm pretty sure there was some, at least some sort of conversations that went into narrowing yeah, down the I, list I don't five. think he just like has I don't think there's just like a website with the top 40 candidates and it goes through that list like his list was made up of like there's potential in each of these 40 names for something yeah like, work his way through that and I think that I, the other name, because there's only really two names that consistently are coming up at this point, and the other one's Scott Mellenby, who yes. seems to be like we've heard kind of. I think going into this, and and I, you can correct me maybe if I'm wrong here, but did Rutherford exactly say? I think he might have said it in a conversation with Coos or IMAC or PJ. It might have been one of those articles. He was looking at maybe two different types of GM. If it was going to be one that's had some experience or one that he wanted to kind of mentor into the role. I think that's the two people that you kind of see here at the end now. Patrick Alvin would be the guy who has some NHL experience as a man, not as a general manager, but around general managers. With and Rutherford. With Pittsburgh, Rutherford, exactly. Pittsburgh, um, Rutherford promoted him, right? Exactly. And with Scott Mellenby, not exactly a ton of management experience as much as like in a role of as an AGM or general manager. Yeah. But a guy who seems to have a very bright mind and seems to have a bright future as a guy that works in NHL management. So kind of have those, you know, the two things that we kind of heard going into the search feels like those are the two final names that are left. So Patrick Alvin, Scott Mellenby, one of those two, it just, it feels like everything's pointing towards uh, Alvin to be the Canucks next GM, which is kind of like, to me, it's weird because you have Jim Rutherford in the spot as president and currently interim GM. It feels weird to me because it's like, it feels like he's the GM, right? It's going to be interesting to see when a general manager actually comes in how different it is, how different we look at Rutherford. Cause right now I'm looking at Rutherford as the guy who is making decisions and running the show pretty soon. It's going to be interesting to see what his role is as the president only with a general manager in place. So Rutherford has said that he wants to have the final say on hockey decisions. So again, you, you kind of brought up the more experienced or the more 
uh, fresh voice and, and someone new that they kind of want to mentor a bit. I think they're going with the latter. Uh, I think that's kind of the vibe that I'm getting and kind of what I've heard and all that sort of stuff. Uh, so again, Scott Mellenby, again, he worked within the Canucks organization for three years under Mike Gillis, special consultant to general manager Mike Gillis in the hockey ops department. Uh, then he was an assistant coach at the St. Louis Blues, stepped down in 2011-12 uh, season. And in 2012, he was hired by the Canadians as director of player personnel, and he became an assistant GM in 2014 before stepping down quite publicly from the position in November of 2021. So very recent. He was an AGM with the Canadians for a long time. So he does kind of have that experience. Patrick Alvin obviously doesn't. So I kind of wonder, Chris, if these two are a little less similar than maybe you and I originally thought when we were kind of having this conversation off the top. Like maybe because Alvin has no experience as a general manager, but is a hockey mind that Rutherford trusts, he thinks, okay, I can work with this guy, right? And and this is beyond Rutherford too, because I think this is something that the Canucks organization learned with the Trevor Linden and Jim Benning experience. Well, you right? know what? Patrick Alvin has a very similar track record to Jim Benning as well. Aside from him being a European scout to start, instead of Jim Benning being a North American scout, like Alvin was... Started as a scout in 2002, worked his way up to director of amateur scouting in 2017 for the Penguins, became assistant general manager in 2020, became interim general manager in the 2020 season, and now this year is currently the assistant general manager for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So he's got a year and a half of being in a role as assistant general manager. So he's he's got a lot of a lot of scouting before that. Like I said, you know, almost 20 years now of being a either a scout or a director of European scouting director of amateur scouting. So yeah, 47 years old. I think Alvin would be an interesting choice. And I think that he is that type of guy. I think I mixed it up a few minutes ago when I was talking about who has the more. Yeah. Okay. So Alvin would be the guy at 47 years old, a young GM that I've, you know, a lot of people, I think when they hear the name and they do a little bit of research, they're pretty excited about a guy like this coming in as general manager, especially with Jim Rutherford above him. And then if you're going to surround him with smart assistant general managers, it's just it's such a better feeling about the Canucks management group. And I think if they do this right, it could be the the group that we see together for a long time here if they start to have some success and make some good moves moving forward. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I even mentioned this a bit um about how I think the Canucks organization kind of learned with the Jim Benning and Trevor Linden experience that they wanted to have a president and a GM who are working together and are kind of in step with each other. And it's not just, it's a past relationship. Like they know each other already. Right. And I think that was a, that was something that wasn't really there with Linden and Benning. Like, I think that was partly why the relationship fell apart the way it did. And again, by the end of it, we saw what the state of the Canucks organization was. Stan Smeal and Aquilini both talking about lack of communication, lack of accountability, um, all that sort of stuff. I think that was a that was a painful experience. And I think a lot of Canucks fans realized it for a while that Jim Benning's days were numbered. And it was a really painful experience for the organization to have to go through. But like having that chain of command... And having those people in charge who you trust to make hockey decisions and aren't having to vet everything through ownership, like that, that's that's important, right? Uh, now, instead of Aquilini having the final say on hockey decisions, as it's reported that it was toward the end of Benning's tenure, now it's going to be Rutherford. And 
I I don't think this is a hot take at all, but I, I'm a little more confident with Rutherford having the final say uh, yeah. than ownership. And ownership's still going to, uh, you know, be involved somewhat. Like, you know, I'm sure Rutherford still is going to run ideas and stuff by ownership and all that sort of stuff. But again, um, ultimately, it is a change of structure, and I think it's a welcome one. Yeah, give me... Give me Alvin. Give me some smart assistant general managers. Alvin, if if hired, would become the second uh, non North American general manager in the NHL with uh, Jarmo Kekalainen in Columbus from Ever? Finland. No, just okay. currently. Okay. Um, yeah, Jarmo would be the second one. Actually, maybe ever. No, it can't be. Can it? I mean, it could be. I've seen. <laughs> look at hockey circles, man. It very yeah. well could be. Like I, I don't know. There's probably there's probably a name that we're just completely forgetting of, like a Swedish GM. But um, that's that's all I really have on the general manager there. Do you want me to get into a little bit of Abbotsford stuff here? Do you got anything else? Yeah, I got something else. We stopped the recording. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let the listeners know we stopped the recording right after you said that. I just called our encyclopedia, Patrick Johnson, our friend PJ that we just were talking about earlier. I just said, hey, Pat. Uh, has there ever been a non non North American general manager other than Yarmo Kekalainen? And he said he said he thinks so. So we like did some more checking around and uh, Google. We just Googled it and uh, probably didn't have to waste waste Pat's time, but he enjoyed the call. I think. Um, yeah, He's making a smoothie. He was making a smoothie. Yarmo Kekalainen, first non first European NHL general manager. So Patrick Alvine will be the second one uh, if hired. The, and this is so fitting for Vancouver. He would be the first Swedish general yes. manager in the NHL. Yep. Wow, that's that's wild. Because like there was even that Very moment, crazy. like like twenty or twenty seconds ago or whatever however long it was, where I was like, no, that can't be. And then I like thought about hockey circles and like yeah. the people we see in front of us. I'm like, actually, it very well could be. That's that's crazy. That's wild. It'd be pretty cool. And like I said, man, so Vancouver to have the first Swedish uh, That's awesome. GM. If it happens, of yeah, course. So be, we'll have to we'll wait and see. But man, everybody's saying. I got to tweet that. Everybody's saying Patrick Alvin. Yeah, I think I should tweet all that. The, all the insiders out there mention it. So, all right. Well, you tweet. You want me to do Abbotsford? Yeah, talk Abby. All right. Tough return for Abbotsford. Holy cow. Thursday night, they get uh, Shellac 6-2. Mikey DiPietro quads, your boy, better than Yaroslav Halak, ready to take the step this year. Let's in six goals on 26 shots. Not a good game, I tell you. I, like It's starting to really show, I think, that DiPietro is not developing the way that you wanted him to. Not not even specifically just you quads, but like the way that everybody was hoping Mikey DiPietro was going to come out and just take the reins. And I'll give him a I'll give him a pass on yesterday's game because that was a really tough, really bad effort, honestly, uh, from the Abbotsford Canucks. And we were kind of expecting it because Trent Cole told us like his guys aren't ready to go play four out of five games. Is pretty much what he told us the other day uh, when I spoke with him on the phone for had a little one on one with him for like twenty minutes. We chatted about it. He's not very confident in his guys coming into this game at full health. Players were returning from COVID protocol on the Thursday morning. Like the morning, the day, the game day skate was when like a few of the players were returning. He had a bunch returned the day before. Still have some players out with COVID. I heard some stuff last night, Thursday night, about some other players testing positive as well. So they might even be down even more people. Um, They did have uh, Brandon Cutler who uh, in my phone loves to get autocorrected to Cutlet. Uh, so that's going to be in a lot of tweets when I tweet about him. He made his debut, and I tell you what, former Victoria Royal, he looked like one of the best uh, Abbotsford Canucks players the other night. So good for him, a really good showing in his first game. 
Uh, so that was exciting to see. Aside from that, um, I, I don't know. this These four games and five nights, it's going to be tough to get these games in. There's already a lot of players struggling to come back. They don't have a ton of bodies. They also just lost like their leading scoring defenseman. Cam Schilling just like got up and left to the SHL. So now he's off to the SHL, which is kind of a, a tough situation for them. Losing one of their their kind of top scoring defensemen, a guy who had some veterans, uh, some some years behind him and played as a veteran. Haven't seen Yushiro. I want to get this right. Yushiro Hirono. Hirano. Let me try one more time. Nailed it. Yushiro Hirano. And I'll work on that one. Nice. I, I'm, I just think it's such a cool story to you know have a guy born in Japan. Yeah, what do we know about this player? Did he like grow up in Japan or did he come to North America? Where did he play like his minor hockey? Does like basically what I'm asking is, you know, like did he grow up in Japan, play in Japan, develop in Japan, and he was good enough to make it pro here? I, I gotta do more research into the full story, but as far as I know, like up until he was twenty, he was playing or up until he was about geez, I don't know, probably eighteen, he was playing in Japan. But it would have been he went to he I knew he was playing in the Swedish Elite League. Okay. Or sorry, not the Swedish Elite League, but like the J twenty league. Okay. Uh and that third division hockey Etan league before he went to the USHL. It's like a nineteen year old. Okay, so he speaks English, I'm assuming. Yeah, I'm assuming so. He spent like his last three years over here in North America. Okay. Like he's been part of uh the Penguins organization with the AHL and the ECHL teams there and this year he got off to a really good start with the Cincinnati Cyclones and the ECHL so opportunity but you know what like I didn't expect it but the dude's like he's a thick dude man huge he's he's I don't know where the six foot two things come from saw him in the warm-up yesterday he he is not six foot two shorter taller shorter than that like Uh. maybe five eleven maybe Hey, you know Maybe what? Six foot. You can't fault us for adding some height to our our bios. Yeah, but here's <laughs> the thing: I don't think they added. Like, this is a thick dude, man. He's like 220 pound looking. Like, he looks like another Vinny Arsenault out there, just like a little bit shorter. Like, he's a thick dude. I'm interested to see how he plays. Uh, I'm expecting him to play tonight as we're recording this on Friday, and he warmed. He went to the warm up, but he didn't play, which was kind of interesting because they started Alex Canuck Leepert who was like the first-year rookie defenseman. They played him on the wing instead of uh, Hirano. So I think Hirano will get in the lineup tonight, and we'll see. Uh, I mean, I just it's a cool story, and I want to be able to talk to him and write a story about it, learn the story. I think it's going to be a cool thing to follow. Uh, just another storyline out there in Abbotsford to follow. Just another storyline out there in Abbotsford to follow. The main one, obviously, the goaltenders. I, I'm not just saying that because yeah, what's your talk. bounce back? You got your tweet out. You're all happy now. You got 14 likes on it already. Yeah. Yeah. I got the tweet out. Your boy Mikey good. though. Pew, yeah. Well, again, I gotta, I gotta watch more of the games to actually figure out what's going on. Cause I don't trust anybody uh, telling me that. Oh yeah. He, he, he sucks. Cause like, oh, man, I've heard yesterday, a point shot, not again, a lot of screen. I've heard, right I've heard, through him. I've heard that the shots that are beating him are either ones he has no chance on or they're ones that, and I guess this encompasses like almost all shots. Literally what you're about to <laughs> but, say. Ones that he has no chance on or some that he has a chance on. No, no, no. But I like what I'm saying is I've heard that a lot of the shots that are beating him are low percentage shots and they're from like distance and they shouldn't be beating him. And again, I've already talked about this. Goaltender that reminds me of is Jacob Markstrom when he started with the Canucks. So but, I'm going to watch it before Mikey, throwing out that comparison concrete. 
But Mikey's going to be fine. He spent so much time with Ian Clark. You think that would be something he would have fixed. They spent too much time hugging posts all freaking year last (laughs) year. You and your guys' freaking post integration. It sounds fun. It's cool. It's a fancy long word. And it might work for Thatcher Demko, but you got too much post integration in Mikey DiPietro's game. It's ruining his game probably. That's the thing. It's not ruining his game. Too much post integration. It's not ruining his game. Mikey has a very good system. He needs some crease irrigation. And that's what he needs to do. Crease irrigation. He's got a very good system in place. It's just he now needs to keep getting reps and needs to start applying the stuff that he's learned again. And you're right. Like, yeah, I didn't see them working on a lot of distant shots. Yeah. Right. With no screen. Cause those are the easy ones. You're supposed to have those. That's all I see him do in practice is grabbing, hugging posts and hugging the other posts. Yeah, Cause that's very important to have that in your system. Well, <laughs> yeah, maybe you gotta work I, I on know, the I know. For- Stopping like muffin shots from the point is also important. Yeah. But again, like, uh, this is this is kind of the stuff that happens when you're not in game action, right? Like when you're practicing, you don't face a lot of those. You face a lot of chances off the rush. You face a lot of, um, you know, in tight shots, all that sort of stuff. But you don't really face like with with traffic around you or even without it, just shots from distance, right? In practice, you don't face that a lot as a goaltender. Abbotsford sure does. Like the more like when you were saying that, I was like, Abbotsford does a lot of that. Well, hang on a sec, because remember, I'm not talking about practices because Mikey didn't practice with the Canucks. He practiced with the taxi squad, and those taxi squad okay. practices were a little bit different than regular practices. True. I'm talking about this year, like at Abbotsford practice. There's a lot of time spent where, like, because I've literally I could describe every single one of the defensemen on the Abbotsford Canucks yeah. team shot, like. I, I see all their shots. Well, no, it's like, yeah, you see some of them that uh, barely, float in and then Jack Rathbone shoots. <laughs> yeah, Rathbone, you can you can tell he's got an NHL shot. You know who? Uh, Guillaume Brisebois has a shot that sticks out better than everyone else's, but there's a couple guys. I don't want to throw too many names out there. <laughs> there's a couple of them where you're like, oh, that's why you're not in the NHL because your shot barely makes it to the wow. goaltender. Wow. Yeah. Hey, you know, maybe some some room to grow for some of these guys. Klimovich looked nice back in his game. He had I've a couple heard. of moves and like you know, showing a little bit of confidence. And I I found it I wouldn't say worrisome, but interesting for sure. And what Call said when he was talking about him was like, now it feels like there has been a transition between Call being like, oh, this is an eighteen year old that we just want to see go out and play, go out and do your thing and have fun. I think there's some teaching being done now. Now that English is starting to feel pretty confident behind. Uh, Klinovich, and I think that Call is recognizing that, hey, dude, you can't pull all these, you know, NHL 22 freaking Deeks, LB, L2, up, down, left, right. You can't be pulling these every time you're on the ice with the puck. Sometimes you got to do some some dump and chase. You got to get the puck in there. Just do it different ways that where you're not pulling off these ridiculous Deeks that don't work a lot of the time. And I think we're seeing that a little bit more, but still the other night makes a nice move around a guy and gets a shot off, bumps a guy in the corner. He's going to turn 19 on uh, on Sunday. He's going to be able to have a drink after the game. Wow. Good for Klimo. Yeah. It's exciting. Do you have anything else on the prospect report? Uh, Aiden McDonough, some rumors behind him potentially being on Team USA for the Olympics. Going to have more on that soon here. i got to shoot him a text kind of right when we uh, finish recording here. Get in contact with Aiden. See uh, what I can report on that. But uh, that would be cool. I don't think he's going to want to do it, though. Like, I... I I got to talk to him first. I don't think he's going to want to do it. It depends. I don't know. Americans, they like playing for their country pretty hard. But like, does he want to leave Northeastern right now? And go to the Olympics? 
I don't know. That's why I told you to text is him. He, is he gonna? Is he gonna miss the bean pot? I don't think so. I don't think so. The sixty really ninth bean pot, dude. That's so nice. I, I don't, don't think, think he he's gonna to miss that. that. He's been good at that tournament. Every time he's shown up with that bean pot. Yeah, I. Again, I. I think that means a lot to him. Just from you know, obviously you've talked to him a lot more than I have. Uh, but just from what I've read uh, and kind like, of heard, is he ever going to get a chance to play for Team USA at the Olympics ever again? Though he could come that's back. That's a really good point. Actually, he could go back to Northeastern next year and play. And he, it sounds like he's going to. Yeah, and and go play in the Bean Pot again. I don't know if he gets another chance to be an Olympian. Damn. I wish we had him on the show because this is a great question for Aiden McDonough, which you're probably the only man in the market capable of getting an actual answer on these questions you're asking. So I'll shoot him a text. Hopefully you, uh, hopefully you get an answer because that's, that's very intriguing, man. That's very intriguing. Yeah, that's all I got. All right. I think that's all I got too. Uh, Cam, Cam Robinson's already at me on Twitter, uh, saying, Patrick Alvin's already been a GM. So he's not, he's already the first Swedish GM. Uh, and I said, interim doesn't count, Cam, even though it does. Watch out. Cam's known to, uh, he'll fight children. He says he will. Yeah. I'm Water ready. fight, but he'll come at you. I'm ready. I'm ready for Robinson's Wrath. It's pretty good. Robinson's Wrath. Robinson's Wrath. It's pretty good. That could be a segment on Elite Prospects where he just rips into prospects. Oof. Why Yaro Askarov actually sucks. Actually, he really likes Askarov. Yeah. Yeah, I don't blame him. A lot of scouts do. Um, who I saw and I'm going to see a lot more of Philip Broberg just rotting in the AHL. I saw him yesterday freaking tussling with our Vinny Arsenault. Remember the people who say that Broberg was going to be this perfect two way defenseman coming out of Sweden. What a bunch of crap. I tell oily you what, boys aren't going to like that. I don't care about the oily boys. I watched half their prospect yesterday. I'll tell you what, the only thing the oily boys should be excited for is Stuart Skinner might be their best chance for goaltending. Yeah. Stuart Skinner's good. Stuart Skinner. He looks fine good. last night. Yeah. I mean, he, he made some really good saves. Honestly, looking at those prospects, they got down there on Bakersfield though. Like, cool. Yeah. Phil Broberg is like, if he's their top prospect, you thought the Canucks prospect system was bad. Woo. I tell you, well, they got a good, uh, they got a really good crap. I was just looking it up an NCAA prospect. They have a, a really good one coming, a fourth round. I think he was the hundredth pick overall. Can't remember his name oh, though, because they have Dylan Holloway or whatever his name is. Oh, really? Holloway's a Holloway season. He's had a good year in the NCAA too. Yeah, because that's what I thought you were talking about when you said NCAA. No, there was he was fourth round, hundredth overall. I, beats me. Ask Can't an remember. oily boy. I'm not know. talking to those freaking oily boys, anyways. <laughs> I watched their freaking prospects and did, like I said, Stuart Skinner, the only good thing going on in Bakersfield. All right. They ran through the uh, final thing. I'm on. Uh, I'll be producing uh, Halford and Bruffall next week. Exciting. I'm Exciting pretty, times. It's fun. I tell you, working with those guys is great. It was, it was a lot of fun this morning. Waking up at four. Not a huge fan of that, but uh, it was fun still doing the radio. And then like you're off at nine. You're not even awake yet. I've already worked the, for the day. Yeah. Dude, it's, it's weird working that early. I'm so tired. It's like literally, what time is it? Like 1 o'clock? 1.30? Yeah. Yep. I'm just beat, dude. Dude, I've been I've been back on the uh, 7 a.m. workouts. Like, Well, I don't work out at 7. I should clarify. I wake up at 7 and get my workout done like first thing in the morning. I have a big breakfast, have my creatine, and then I hit the gym. And I have my espresso, and I don't use pre-workout. Now I just have my espresso because right. I did that every morning anyway. You get that energy, and then you, you go to the gym. I actually got the espresso tip from Murph. Actually, no. Murph actually told me he's like, if you don't drink coffee, have your pre-workout with breakfast, and then go to the gym. 
because it gives you that boost and you're not having the, if you have the pre-workout like during the day sometimes you get that like itchy feeling you've probably had pre-workout before yeah um but you get that like itchy feeling and you're like twitchy a little bit and you don't really want to have that feeling and so the, i'll tell you the pre-workout that i was taking when i was working out really hard like 2011 was when i was in, getting in a really good shape because i was yeah. trying to get baseball scholarship you would have been four at the time and the stuff that they were giving us in 2011 it didn't matter when you took it you were itching like it was <laughs> that stuff was crazy back in the day i know the, the big one is jack 3d or jacked is what it was called it got like banned pretty quick once they started actually yeah. putting like health like problems with a lot of these things but you would take one scoop of that stuff and you and like i don't you know me like i drink monsters i don't get buzzed up or anything i was taking a scoop of jacked and it was just it was a mess you'd be gone for four hours you go in the gym and just crush for like four hours it was basically it felt like the legal version of steroids it was unreal so i don't know what they got going on nowadays for pre-workout but i don't think it was that's no. this stuff made your face burn and your whole body itch. Yeah, I don't. I don't take. I don't take stuff like that. that I don't like the you, stimulants. Oh, man, I like my you. espresso. Espresso is my pre workout. Yeah, the Italian pre workout. And no free ads, but I have this other one that's a non stimulant, but it helps your water retain more. Uh, helps your muscles retain more water, and you like get a bigger pump. It's perfect if you're like taking photos in the gym, which I am every day. Yeah, obviously. How many photos do you have now? You got a new. You got a new iPhone too. Yep. How many photos of yourself do you think you have on there? What of percent of, of your photos on your phone do you think are of yourself? Uh, percentage, probably like three, four oh, percent. Okay. A lot of it's just memes and screenshots of like hockey related You know what things. I was thinking the other day? It would be nice to have like phones automatically like put things into folders for you. Well, they do. The yeah, iPhones but like, have it in people. Sort of, but not exactly. Like I, Like, you know, when you, when you screenshot a tweet. It'd be nice if they just like recognize that and put them all into like screenshotted tweets, you know? Yeah, I know what you mean. That'd be a good one. Or when you're sending someone an Instagram post, sometimes I I'm old school. You these you know what pisses me off these kids nowadays, and they they just send you guys. You guys are always sending posts on uh, Instagram messages. I'm getting posts from all these people. That upsets I don't want. you? Yeah, because I got all these notifications on Instagram now. All of a sudden, well, I'm sending you funny stuff. Also, I just checked. 203 photos of myself on my phone uh and there are how many total so 203 and i have 7494 photos so what's that percentage how much did you say 200 200 and my total is 7494 you see cut off a couple zeros you'd have two out of 700 yeah 7000 two out of 70 yeah 200 so one out of 35 so you're about three percent I, I nailed it. I little said, under, I told little you. under 3%. I told you 4% was probably what I, I was know, Right around, yeah, a little bit there. All right, we'll close it out there. I think that now is a good place. Uh, it was fun to get back in the studio, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. We've got exciting stuff coming to Convo. How many, swear, how many photos do you think I got on my phone? I just found this out. Your total photos? Yeah. 3,222. You don't know how many receipts I have, Quads. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. You have a lot of memes, too. I got 10,241. Wow. How many of yourself? You got a girlfriend though, so you're gonna have more. You think so? <laughs> oh yeah, hundred percent. Because she's taking photos of you. You're taking photos together. Right. Photos of you with a group count, right? Because that's what I counted. Right. There's thirty pictures of me. How? No way. Thirty. That's it. I don't keep pictures of Let myself. Let me see. You're not checking. I right. put them. Uh, I send. I delete them, but I send them to a, oh. a shared album with her. Okay. Like when we have these pictures, and it's just it's just all of us together. That's cute. Yeah. All of us. 
<laughs> Sin City There's a lot in here. Multiple. Now that I'm looking at it, holy cow, these are like holy smokes. Me and her. There's oh a lot my of that. God. How many at the bottom? What's that number? What does it say? Five hundred and sixty nine. Oh my goodness. Nice. Five nice. Um and three videos. Wow. Very fun. Yep. Wild. All right. We'll close it up there. For some reason, I don't know how we got on the topic of looking through our camera rolls, but maybe that'll be a future Patreon thing. And folks, we are gonna get back on the Patreon. We I gotta promised. go. I tell like, you, I'd do it now, but I gotta go home and nap. I wanted to do it today. This guy's gotta go home and nap. We are gonna do it soon. Patreon.com slash connects convo five and ten dollar tiers gets you all the bonus content. We're gonna have some coming soon. We promise, folks. Maybe I'll just bust out the clarinet again. Who yeah. knows? Who knows? I'm fine with the clarinet now. Yeah, we might have to. For Chris Faber, my name is David Quadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim?